Sefer Devarim, Parshat Ekev, on brotherly love and justice. In chapter 10 of the book of Deuteronomy, Moshe retells the story of God's inscribing of the second tablets of the Ten Commandments. And then he retells of his brother Aaron's death. He says, From Beirut's B'nai Jakan, the Israelites marched to Moserah. Aaron died there and was buried there, and his son, Eleazar, became priest in his stead. This statement, though, doesn't line up exactly with what we read earlier in the Torah. Rashi asks, but did Aaron not die at Mount Hor? Go and count and you will find that there are eight stations from Moserah to Mount Hor. However, Rashi founds a solution to his own question and comments, but really this is also is a part of the reproof offered by Moses. In effect, he said, this also you did when Aaron died on Mount Hor at the end of 40 years and the clouds of divine glory departed. You feared war with the king of Arad and you appointed a leader that you might return to Egypt. And you turned backwards eight stages unto Benedjakan and hence Moserah. There the sons of Levi fought with you and they slew some of you and you some of them until they forced you back on the road along which you had retreated. From there, you returned to Gudguda. This is identical to Hur Hagidgo. According to Rashi's answer, Aaron is said to have died in two places because after Aaron's death, the Israelites, out of fear, retreated backwards in their journey. For some, though, this is not convincing. Dr. David Ben-Gad HaKohen wrote for the Torah.com, it's difficult to accept Rashi's answer, even as homiletics, as drush, since nothing in the text suggests that there is a rebuke. It is a recitation of an itinerary. Rashi's answer is really more like a throwing up of hands. In any case, the death of Aaron, our first high priest, from whom all other priests descend, was a serious tragedy for the Israelites. As Rashi implied, the Talmudic tradition teaches us that just as we got manna from Moshe and water from Miriam, the pillar of cloud was in the merit of Aaron. It says in the tractate Tanit, when Aaron died, the clouds of glory disappeared. For a long stretch of time, we see the success of the Israelites was dependent upon Moshe, his sister, and his brother. And the relationship between Moshe and Aaron was especially crucial. Look back to the story of the Exodus. Moshe, upon finding out he'll be the one to lead the Israelites to freedom, is deeply hesitant, even scared. He tells God, please, O oh my Lord, I have never been a man of words, either in times past or now, that you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Please, O oh my Lord, make someone else your agent. This makes God angry. Though God then makes a concession saying, there is your brother Aaron the Levite. He, I know, speaks readily. Even now he is setting out to meet you and he will be happy to see you. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with you and with him as you speak. Here, the project of freedom goes from being led by an individual to being led by a partnership. When Moshe feels ill-equipped to do the necessary work, Aaron can step up and take charge. And so these far-apart brothers reunite. We read, the Lord says to Aaron, go to meet Moshe in the wilderness. He went and met him at the mountain of God, and he kissed him. The tradition finds a symbolic meaning here by reading this verse in light of Psalms 8511. Chesed ve'emet nifgashu, tzedek v'shalom neshaku. 
kindness and truth meet, justice and shalom kiss. The Midrash Tanchuma Buber tells us that this refers to the kiss from Aaron to Moshe. Moshe, it says, represents justice and truth, while Aaron represents compassion and peace. Here we get the message that we're not all supposed to be the same. We complement one another as siblings, as leaders, and as human beings. It's only by being united in their strengths and weaknesses that the leaders of the Jewish people can take charge with a holistic approach. Perhaps this was the reason why Moshe's time as a leader was coming to an end. The brothers needed one another. When Moshe was atop Mount Sinai, they were separated. And that led to one of the worst moments in all of the Torah, the sin of the golden calf, in which Aaron was entirely complicit in bending to the will of the misguided people. Aaron there was so invested in peace and kindness that he'd forgotten about the truth of the Torah. So too, Moshe, when he came down from the mountain, smashed the tablets in anger. He was so enamored with truth and justice that he'd forgotten how to be compassionate. Only later does God show them a middle ground that they will receive new tablets and carry the broken ones with them. Friends, today too, we are tasked with finding the best of Moshe and Aaron, in ourselves and in each other. It's equally true today that we need to live at the kiss between peace and truth, between justice and compassion. We see from the partnership of Moshe and Aaron that these values need to be held together, not just balanced, but in full force at the same time. There must be compassion within our justice, truth within our peace, and so on. One of the best examples of this is in the prayer book in which we read before the Shema, eternal love for your people, house of Israel, Torah and mitzvot, Laws and precepts have you taught us. According to a teaching attributed to the Baal Shem Tov, redemption hasn't yet come because people don't pay enough attention to this blessing. His disciple Yaakov Yosef wrote, These words of love are the kisses that precede sexual union, awakening desire in the presence, so that her child, compassion, might come forth. We can't unify God as described in the Shema because we don't first recognize God's love stated here in Ahavat Olam, eternal love. Love and law, we see, need to be synonymous, mentioned in the same breath. Our love must contain justice, just as our justice must contain love. It is not much different from the ketubah, or Jewish marriage contract, which is an expression of love through a list of contractual obligations. If we try to live without either our own love or Moshe's justice, our lives will be thrown into chaos. This is true of our relationships with our co-workers, spouses, siblings, parents, neighbors. We know all too well that we cannot all be everything, but we can all bring out the best of one another. When we read of our own's death, we read of the loss of compassion and peace and of the leadership that showed us the presence of God. It's a tragedy for the Jewish people, but one that we're in large part recovered from. We will continue to thrive only if we learn to live up to the attributes of those who came before us and to unite with those who possess the talents we lack. Shabbat Shalom.